Well, good morning. The brave ones, the ones who are willing to drive on the ice. You can see there's, uh, what, about half of you here. I'm glad to see you guys. So if you were here for a Christmas Eve service, what my intention was was to start my message Christmas Eve and basically complete it today. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke 2, starting with the fourth verse. Jesus went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, or uh, excuse me, Joseph went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes, cloths, and then laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them at the inn. In the same region there were shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Lord God Almighty, thank you for your word. We thank you for the good news. We thank you for the good news of Jesus. We just pray, Lord, that you would reveal to us through your word, through your presence, the glory of Jesus and what he truly means to us, that we could truly appreciate what we've been given this gift of a child. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. You know, mankind has always been looking for a Savior. Even before there was a Jewish nation, they were looking for a Savior. Clear back in Genesis 3, God promised Adam and Eve, the first couple ever, that through a woman, a Savior would come who would crush the head of the serpent and save mankind from sin. That has been the promise. From that moment on, the only distinction between mankind, between people, between men and women, the only distinction between them in God's eyes has been either they believe that promise and they live accordingly, or they don't believe it and then they live according to that. And then at the end of their life, they're appropriately rewarded. That's the distinction. Do you believe that this child that was born on that day is God incarnate, is God made flesh? Do you believe that? Or don't you? That's the distinction. That's what God looks at. And then you live accordingly. You live out what Jesus taught. You live out His Word. You live out Scripture. You live as somebody who, who, who believes in Jesus. The word Christian really means little Christ or like Christ. Do we live like that? That's the question. If we truly believe that, we will live that way. 
And if we don't believe it, we won't. So that's the question. Who do you say that I am? There was a day when Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Who do they say that I am? And they said, some people say that you're John the Baptist, raised from the dead. Some people say that you're Elijah. Some people say that you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Because that's the most important question, isn't it? Is who do we say Jesus is? It doesn't really matter what other people think. It doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter if other people believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That doesn't matter. What matters is what do we believe? The first hints we get of man's faith in that promise is Abel's offering of the blood sacrifice being acceptable to God and Cain's offering being unacceptable. One of the offerings involved blood and one did not. And apparently Abel raised sheep and Cain grew crops and uh, God said how how to offer, how to offer a sacrifice. And Cain just wanted to do it his own way. That's the way that's the way that leads to hell, isn't it? It's when we just want to do it our own way. We refuse to be taught by the Lord. We refuse to to uh, follow the commandments that have been given. That's the way that leads to the wrong place. There's a lot of people who want to say all roads lead to heaven, all roads lead to God. They want to say it doesn't matter really what we call, what we how we refer to God. We're always talking about the same God. That is not true. That's not true. There's one way to God. There's one way to heaven, and that way is Jesus Christ. All of the other ways, they won't take you to heaven. They won't lead you in that way. As Genesis unfolds, as we read there. Uh, there are other indications of men who, men of God who believed in that promise, the promise that was given in the garden to Adam and Eve. And when the time finally came when God repeated that promise, it was to Abraham. The promise was given to Abraham. He was told that through his descendants, all of the nations would be blessed. Adam understood that that promise meant that he and Sarah would have a son in their old age when otherwise it wouldn't have been possible. And that through that son, God would bring about the promised Savior. That was the understanding. God's message is, uh, is, is obscure. It's uh, not easily found. Uh, but when you give it some thought, you can understand, just like Abraham did, that the only way that all of the nations of the earth could be blessed through his son is that that one man was going to come through that son whose existence would have an immeasurably significant impact on all men and everywhere. That one man through that one son. 
Remember, Abraham was having trouble with that promise because he didn't see any evidence of it. We, we, are, we tend to be like that, don't we? We believe that God has given us some direction or some promise or something, and, and we don't see it. What we don't know is that God is working. We're just not aware of it. And so Abraham, well, Sarah, Sarah and Abraham, Sarah was implicated in this too, decided to take matters in their own hand, and uh, Ishmael was born. God said, that's not the one. That isn't the one. That's not the one I gave you. That's, that's, you can't, you can't do it like that. You have to let God work those things out because it's that one, that one child, that one child that was going to bring about the Messiah. Only the Lord's promise anointed one, Jesus Christ, could address all of mankind's issues in a meaningful way. Jesus is the Messiah, and He alone can address our issues, all of the issues of mankind. Jesus is the King of Kings. So my question this morning to you is, who do you say this child is? Because we all have to answer that question. I can't answer it for you. I can tell you what I believe. I can tell you why I believe that. You know, the person sitting next to you can tell you why they believe or why they don't believe. But the question is, who do you think he is? We have to answer that question. You can't just avoid it. You can't just pretend like you didn't hear it. A lot of people do. A lot of people want to pretend like they didn't hear it. They're like, they're like oh, it's just a fairy tale. You know, it's a book of fairy tales. And they want to just ignore it. But the fact is that they have to answer the question. The question is put to us by God. Who do you say Christ is? Who do you say that baby is? It's through Israel's prophets to Isaiah that God revealed. He reveals in the Old Testament. Jesus is woven throughout the Old Testament. He's woven in there. All prophecies, all of these things are woven throughout the Old Testament. It's just not a New Testament thing. But it's in Isaiah that God revealed that he would be born to a virgin and his birthplace where he would be. Micah talks about his birthplace. Um, in Psalms, we read about his priesthood. And in Isaiah, again, we read about how he was rejected by his people, by the Jewish people. In Zechariah, we read about that triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And in Matthew, we read about his betrayal uh, for silver. The prophets foretold about his trial, that there would be false witnesses there. They foretold that he would stand there accused and wouldn't say a word. They, uh, they foretold the suffering, the mocking, the crucifixion. They foretold his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and his second coming. Down through history, down through the centuries, from that confrontation in the Garden of Eden uh, to the time that God shut Micah's mouth, in every generation... There have been verbal declarations as well as written to the acts that Jesus did, the actions that Jesus took, the teachings that he made. And we see 
Jesus Christ proclaimed throughout history, throughout the Old Testament. God wasn't just dropping hints. He was very specific. He was very specific. And his intention was from the very beginning that he was going to provide a way of escape. He was going to provide for us a way out. Because we are sinful people. That's our nature. That's our nature. And as we become a Christian and we live that out, we are changed. We are changed. We are transformed. But that nature is always there. That, that nature never leaves us until the day we die. That nature is always there. Jesus, uh, or God, used every opportunity to say, those who diligently seek me will find me. Those who seek me will find, will find me. Knock and the door will be opened. Ask and you shall receive. You know, if people are looking for God, if people are looking for Jesus, they will find Him. God will provide a way. God will send a messenger. It might be you. It might be you. So for all these generations, God's chosen people from every nation, and it's not just the Jews who are chosen, the Gentiles as well, we've always looked forward to that fulfillment of that promise. Um, a lot of times we don't fully understand what we're reading. We understand things now that they did not understand, you know, even 500 years ago. Things are being revealed slowly. But there's still a lot we don't understand. But we're still looking for the Messiah. We know He's coming back. We know He's coming back, and we know that the time is not far off. And we want to, we want to be prepared for that. We want to be prepared for that by living out, living out what it is that we believe. The Bible says that in the fullness of time, God sent His Son. Uh, the angel Gabriel visited Mary and Joseph, and they got the news. And that night, the time finally arrived. Um, those verses in Luke 2 tell us who the angels appeared to, and what their message was, and what that message is today. You read there, uh, in the same region where there were some shepherds staying out on the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. You know, probably there were a, a group of shepherds who brought their sheep together for protection. And they were in a large group and they were watching the flocks. Um, those shepherds, they weren't doing anything special, were they? Were they fasting and praying? Were they, did they, did they separate themselves, you know, to, uh, to be like a monk where they were, um, beating themselves and, and doing all kinds of things, trying to get God's attention? No. They weren't. What were they doing out there that night? They were just doing their job, weren't they? They were shepherds. Their job was to watch the sheep. And so they were there just basically doing their jobs. But they were aware. They were aware. They were alert. They were awake. And when the angel appeared, the angel said, don't be afraid. Well, that implies that the angel was probably terrifying. Most of the time in the Bible, when you read about angels, they were terrifying. I don't know exactly what they look like. I don't believe I've ever been visited by an angel, but, but, but I believe they probably were huge. And something about them was terrifying. And in this instance, uh, what we read there is that 
uh, the angels shone forth the glory of God. And they were terrified by that. You know, we read the same thing about Moses when he, when he, when God revealed his presence to him. He had to turn his back to God or he would not have even survived. Uh, but, but these, these shepherds, they were just simply doing their business. They were going about their daily routine. When God visited Moses in that burning bush, he was tending to his father-in-law's sheep. That was his job. It was his task. When he sent Samuel to anoint David as a king, David found David was found there, and he was attending his he was tending his father's sheep, taking care of them. When he visited Gideon, he was threshing wheat behind the wine press. Yes, he was hiding from the Midianites. He was scared, but he was still just going about his business. He was doing what it was that he needed to do. When Jesus called the twelve, he found Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They were fishing. That was their business. Their job was fishing. Matthew was busy collecting taxes. That was his business. People then were not very different from what we are today. We go about our jobs. We go about our business. And then in the midst of that, we have an encounter with God. In the middle of our day, when we're really not expecting it, we're just taking care of business, we have an encounter with God. We just go about our normal day. We try to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, don't we? We pray. We pray. We try to keep our heart in, a, in the right place. We try to spend some time with God's Word to keep our heart in the right place. And the, in the middle of our day, we have an encounter. We have, we have, you know, I like to call it a divine appointment. We have an encounter with God. Uh, we have an encounter with somebody that God has put into our life unexpectedly. And, uh, but it's as we go about our normal everyday business. The thing is that through your normal day, remember who you belong to. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You know, God knows where you are. God put you there. He knows where you are. He put you there, and He'll use you where you are. When the time comes, or if the time comes that God wants you somewhere else, He'll move you. That's simple enough. It's not hard for God to, to, to make that happen. We don't have to go about things um, in a particularly difficult way. We don't have to, you know, we certainly don't want to take things into our own hands. You know, that's what Abraham and Sarah did when, when Isaac was born. They took things into their own hands. They didn't wait on God. They were like, wow, God's really slow. You know, this, this childbearing thing, it's not going to get any better as time passes. You know, I, I'm not getting any younger. We, we need this to happen, like, right away. And so that was when they got into trouble, when they were pushing things. They couldn't wait on God. If God wants you somewhere else, God will move you. God will open doors, God will close doors, and you will go. And it will be perfectly clear to you. It will be, it will be, you will look at it and you will say, that is the only solution to do whatever it is. But we don't want to take things into our own hands. You know, those angels, when they appeared, they didn't go to kings or princes. They didn't go to you know, the government of the day. They didn't go to rich businessmen. Who did they go to? 
they went to humble shepherds. Shepherds were, shepherding was the job that was given to people who had few other skills. You know, they, they didn't have, they didn't have the experience to do a lot of other things. Um, shepherding was very simple. You go out and you make sure that the sheep are in a safe place. And if something comes after the sheep, you kill it. That was the job. That was simple enough. But, you know, there were rich businessmen who were dressed really well. They had a lot of influence. They didn't appear to them. They appeared to basic everyday man. That's what I like to think of when I think of a shepherd. Just everyday man. Everybody. Just your basic person. Nothing special. You know, there's nothing special about Joseph and Mary. Just that they were chosen by God. There was nothing that was special about the place. Bethlehem was a no place. It was a spot in the road. But God chose it. God chooses the least likely. God chooses the uh, God chooses the ones that everybody else would pass over. You know, he 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 chooses us not based on our own abilities and our own talents. He chooses us based on our our willingness to obey, our willingness to follow his directive, to follow his direction. Even in the simplest things, God looks at that. He looks to, you know, can you follow simple directions? Can you just do what I say? Even though it may not make a lot of sense to you, you look at something and you feel like, wow, I just I really feel like I'm being led to do this or that or the other thing, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, a lot of times what God asks us to do, we don't see the whole picture. We see part of it. So, of course, it isn't going to make a whole lot of sense. Psalm 100 says, We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. You know, the Bible compares God's people to sheep as well as shepherds. We play both roles, you know. Um, We are like assistant shepherds to the great shepherd. God made us that. God, when God sent us, when God gave us the great commission, what's called the great commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel, um, that, that was an assignment as a shepherd. You go out, you find God's people, you take care of them, you protect them, you feed them, and, uh, and, and that's our function as a shepherd. God also calls us to be sheep. He calls us to follow and, and to be led by Him, to be cared for by Him. Um, Jesus told us to love and care for one another, The Bible says that you will know my people by the love that they have one for another. You know, if you go to a group of people who call themselves Christians, they claim to be Christians, uh, but you go there and you're like, wow, I, I don't feel a whole lot of love here. You know, what I feel is a whole lot of criticism. What I feel is, uh, a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of, um, you know, expectations out of me. I don't, I just not feel in love. Then maybe they're not Christians. Because the Bible says you will know them by the love that they have one for another. You know, do they, do, do people take care of each other? Do they fulfill each other's needs? 
You know, you see that you see that your brother has a need for something and you have that. Do you offer it to them? You know, do they, do you treat them well? Do you care about them? You know, this we we have this way in the United States. I don't know if it's like this in other countries. I I have no idea, but you know, in the United States, um we have this way of greeting people, you know, and it's it's it goes something like this. It goes like Oh, hi, how are you? It's good to see you. And then we expect the other person to say, I'm great. It's good to see you too. What happens if that other person really tells you how they are? You know? Oh, man. I couldn't sleep last night. I woke up with a horrible headache. I think I'm coming down with something. You know, I'm probably contagious. What happens then? We don't want to hear that, do we? We just want to hear, I'm good. We want to hear, things are great. You know, that's a symptom of not caring. That's a symptom of not caring about our brother, isn't it? Because if we truly care about our brother and sister... We really do want to know how things are going. You know, my car broke down. I think it's the alternator. And you happen to be somebody who can fix that. Do you offer to help them? If you're a brother, you do. If you're a brother, you'll take your time. You know, our time, our time is the most valuable thing we have. It's not too hard to give away some possessions. It's not too hard to give away 10 or 20 bucks. But our time, that's a tough one. You know, if you're going to go and you're going to spend four hours helping somebody fix something, that's four hours that you are giving away. Never get that back. But if you care about people, if you really want to be a brother to them, you'll do that. That's showing love one to another. You know, when, uh, when, you, meet, when you meet a brother, you know, somewhere after church here, you know, you, you, you're coming, you know, Wednesday night, whatever. Um, you really want to know how they're doing, what's going on in their life. Because that's really the only way you can walk. It's the only way you can walk with them, right? You walk with each other through life. It's how are things going? Is there a family member that's sick? Let's talk about that. Let's pray about that for you. That's That's showing love one for another. And... The Bible says that's how we will know each other is by the love. You know, there's some, I don't know, fraternities or some organizations and, you know, they wear a special ring or they have a special tattoo or they have a, a special handshake or, or uh, you know, some sort of a signal that they give to people that indicates that they're a part of that group. Well, Christians are known by love. Christians are known by how do you love one another? And, you know, that shows to people who are not Christians, that shows more to them than any words that could come out of your mouth. You know, sometimes people worry about, what do I say? If I'm going to go witness to somebody, what do I say? Well, it's not about what you say, really. It's about how you act. It's about how you behave with them. Do you treat them well? Do you treat them with love? That shows more than anything you could possibly say. So, verse 10, 
Verse 10 and 11. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I'll bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people, all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel tries to calm them down. They must have been terrified. You know, you can imagine, you're out there in the middle of the night. This is not like, uh, you know, this is not like uh, uh, metropolitan big city where you have lots of lights in the sky. It's dark. It's dark out there. All that's there are the stars. And all of a sudden, this angel appears. And it says that God's glory was shown all around, and they were terribly afraid. You know, God, when He appears to us in some way, a lot of times it is really disconcerting. Because a lot of times God asks us to do something we're not comfortable with. You know, He asks us to take a step out in faith. He's telling us, I'll be there with you. But we haven't experienced that before. He's asking us to do something new, and it's scary. It's frightening. And God wants to comfort us. You know, as you go through life, there's, there's a lot of... There's always a first, isn't there? No matter how old you are, there's another first coming along. The first of something. And, 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 and we're usually not happy about it. Usually it's something that is very unsettling, very disconcerting. And God wants to comfort us. He doesn't want us to be afraid. So do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. The good news has always been that a Redeemer would come, that He would save mankind, that He would redeem us from our sins. There's no other way for that to happen. You know, back in, back in the, the Old Testament days, every year they had to give a sacrifice. Every year. Because there was nothing good enough that would cover them, you know, throughout their entire life. It took Jesus Christ to do that. It took Him. He was the sinless one. He was the spotless Lamb. He was the one who was prepared and who came and took all of the sins of the world on Him. And He, he, he bore that up. He held that up. So the good news is that we have a way out. You know, there's, uh, there's, there's quite a few religions in the world who just believe in that, that, that when we die we're annihilated that we just don't exist anymore you know basically what they're saying is that we don't have a soul because a soul lives on doesn't it you know these bodies wear out these bodies uh, they break down you know it's difficult for some of us to accept but um, I cannot do the things that I did 30 years ago. I can try. I can try. You know, uh, one of my friends told me after I got hurt last spring, he said, you know, you're the poster boy for just because you can doesn't mean you should. That's very true. You know, as, as, we, as we move along through life, we just can't do things like we used to. But our soul remains the same. I've heard older people say that, you know, They say, well, I'm 70, but I still feel the same. Well, it's because your soul doesn't age like your body does. Your soul is going to live on somewhere. You're not just annihilated. Your soul has to go somewhere. There's two places you can go. The Bible tells us there's two places you can go. You can go with God and go be with God. 
or you can go be with Satan. You have a choice in the matter. You can choose. You can choose. You know, the question is, who do you say that child is? Who do you say that baby is? If you say, if you say he was nobody, if you say that he was just a story that came about, he, he, he really is nobody, he's nothing, if you say that, then you're making a choice. That's your choice. But if you believe the story, if you believe what the Bible tells about baby Jesus, that He was a miracle, that He was sent from God, then that's your choice. And live your life accordingly. Live your life according to that decision, to that choice. So the news, that news wasn't new news. You know, sometimes when you read that, you know, good news of great joy, it's like, okay, I'm thinking headline, I'm thinking, uh, you know, used to be newspaper or, or TV, now it's internet, right? You get, you get an email, good news, good news in the email, but it isn't new news because that news had been around for a long time. That news had been around for a very long time throughout the Old Testament. There had been hints, there had been prophecies, there had been teachings that came down through the centuries. And those hints were gathered up by people. When I'm convinced that most of the time when prophets actually made a prophecy, most of the time they didn't understand the full context of what they were saying. They understood a part of it, but they didn't understand the full implication of what it was they were saying. And I, I think that's true when they prophesied about Jesus. I don't think they really quite got it. They understood a little bit about it, but how could they possibly get the whole picture? I'm not sure we get the whole picture today. I'm not sure our puny little human minds can deal with that. We probably really can't. You know, we probably, we probably would be like a computer when you try to, you know, an old, old, old computer when you try to, to load a brand new program and it just freezes. It just nothing works. Can't, can't, it can't process it. I think that's how we would really be if we really, you know, tried to understand that. But that news was not news. God had been promising that from the very beginning. He promised that to Adam and Eve. So people were watching. They were waiting through centuries. And now Jesus was here. He was God made flesh. God made flesh. He was, he was God who came down took on a human form, took on one of these bodies, um, lived in it, lived in it, and then became the sacrifice, became the Lamb. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Today right here in your city is the fulfillment of those words of the prophet Micah. Micah said, but, but as for you, Bethlehem, too little may be among the clans of Judah. From you one will go forth for me to be a ruler of Israel. His going forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. So they watched, they waited, they prayed, they, they, they wept, they suffered, they sacrificed, and finally the baby was here. That was God's joy. That was God's joy according to to that plan that he made 
that plan that he made from the triune God, the Word became flesh, and now it would go forth into the world to carry out God's perfect will completely. And he would live among men. He would be the light of the world. He would carry our burden of sin for all time. And he would drink from the cup of God's wrath. He was able to do that. He was able to take that on. So even though the nation of Israel rejected him, in spite of that, he was still the fulfillment of all of their hopes. He was the glory of their nation. He was the vindication of their suffering. Their suffering and oppression and rejection. And he was, he was the embodiment of that promise made to Abraham. And now they would say, Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. That was the good news. That was the baby. Today, it's still good news. Today, he is still God with us. But who do you say he is? That's the question. Who do you say he is? Even though the Jews in Jesus' day and even today, you know, they still believe that um, they believe that the Messiah is for the Jews only. They exclude Gentiles from that. There's a tremendous list of evidence that that's not true. Um, God's promise to Abraham was that through his son Isaac, all the nations would be blessed. And that term there, people and nations throughout Scripture are synonymous with the word Gentile. They're synonymous with that. It's the same word. So when God told Abraham that the nations would be blessed, he's talking about everybody everywhere, every person who ever lived. Matthew 8, Jesus said, Many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And it's made clear in the epistles that the gospel was sent first to the chosen people who were the Jews, but then to the Gentiles. Simeon holds the baby Jesus in his hands. He says, A light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. That's the good news. He's our Savior. He's our sacrificial Lamb. He's our atonement. He is the Christ. He's the anointed one. He's sent from God. He's the promised one. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. That little baby in that feeding trough that night came to set you and I free from the bonds of sin. And that's the only way that we have out. Our question is, who, who do you say He is? Jesus instructed us many times to examine ourselves because we have to answer that question. Today is the day after Christmas. And even though we all know that that very well probably is not the day that Jesus is born, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that Jesus was born to a woman. Jesus was God made flesh. He redeemed us from our sins. And that's the foundation of our peace. That's the foundation of our joy. God made flesh and came and dwelt among us. The question is, who do you say that child is? We need to do some self-examination. And if you believe that that child is the Messiah, you need to live accordingly. 
You need to live like he's the Messiah. If you don't, then that's your choice. We do have a choice in the matter. You know, you can either believe or not. In a few minutes, I'm going to pray. Um, Before I do, because I always forget, there's refreshments across the hall. Be very careful in the parking lot. It's probably icy in spots. Don't want anyone to fall and get hurt. I'd like to invite you, you know, if you've never prayed, if you've never prayed to accept the Lord as your Savior, to put your trust in Him, to say, I believe, I'd like you to pray along with me. And you can dedicate yourself to the Lord as well right now. You know, you know, this is a good time of the year to, to do it again, to make a new commitment, to make a new start. It's been a difficult year. So let's pray. Let's pray. Dear God Almighty, I do believe in Jesus. I believe that that little baby was a miracle in the manger that day. We know, Lord, that we're sinful people and we need a Savior. Lord, I just give my heart to You. I give my life to You tonight. I commit myself to serving You. God, I repent of my sinful ways and I commit myself to to living for You. Uh, I, I believe that that baby born in Bethlehem is exactly who he claimed to be, that he is God in the flesh, the Lord of life, and the Savior for all who call upon him. Lord, I just want to know you in a real and personal way. I want to know the joy of walking through life with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.